bag that's on the floor, my glasses should be in there. They're on. And welcome to another edition of Sister Queen's Rise and Shine. We we are indeed blessed to be here. And um, given that we've just shut off all the machines and, and like a major storm, lightning just hit the tree in front. You probably hear it. Lightning hit the tree, which just came down in front of my front door. I'm going to offer this song just to open this up and kind of set the tone for this evening because it's been an extraordinary week, we all know, and uh, we take very seriously the container that we would like to establish for this conversation this evening and for future reference, again, for those who join the programming by archive at a later date. And uh, we thought about prayer, but this song seemed to sit on my heart most of the day, so... I'm going to offer it out here. She's been waiting, waiting. She's been waiting so long. She's been waiting for her children to remember to return. She's been waiting, waiting. She's been waiting so long. She's been waiting for her children to remember to return. Blessed be and blessed are the children of the mother. Blessed be and blessed are the maiden, mother, and crone. Blessed be and blessed are the ones who dance together. Blessed be and blessed are the ones who dance alone. She's been waiting, waiting. She's been waiting so long. She's been waiting for children to remember to return. I do play. And so we offer that up for all of our mothers and for uh, Sister, Sister Darlene Dawson in particular, upon whose shows and shoulders we are able to give this offering this evening. We um, we held up in our hearts all of the mothers, grandmothers, uh, fathers, grandfathers that have had to hold such a space this week and will continue to have to hold such a space in the week that is coming. We're excited this evening 
to try to capture just a small, just a small piece of how we ride this passage that we're all on, and I'm excited about it. Of course, I have such a an amazing diversity of kindred and friends to call upon that um, we'll see. We'll see who, who shows up. But early on, we're getting ready to go to the um, card, which I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what the Return to Spirit Oracle would offer us this evening as a beacon of light moving forward. And um, we're also going to have Bill Paravano, known to many as the Me Guru this evening. And uh, the things that Bill tells us, not only by removing knee pain or systema, which he deals with in movement, um, Bill, Bill has an interesting perspective, I'm sure, on just how all of this relates to the nervous system and, and inside of these um, physical, physical bodies and temples that we have to take care of trying to pace ourselves and ride this level of high energy, stress, trauma, what the day-to-day brings now between here and the election and thereafter. Okay, so we're excited to have Bill on in in the top of the show. Coming up at the bottom hour of the show, truly our our blessing and our treat to have uh, Dr. Daniel Four with us. And Daniel and I have done uh, quite a few uh, circles and and workshops and roundtables, whatever you want to call them, together um, for various settings, and he'll be talking a little bit about the ancestral healing, its relationship to to healing the divide, to even approaching um, what we each have to own in this big conversation on racism and cultural appropriation and white privilege and so forth. So it is very power packed. If we if we also get brother. From Buffalo uh, for the UNIA, the Gariites, we mixed it up a bit. We have Eliza Rose out there who does uh, social uh, uh, justice programs for climate control. So we have a wide array and a wide diversity of our kindred coming this evening in the midst of all that we've been through this past week and whatever it is we're going to in the week ahead of us. So uh, if our, our beautiful Ianifa, your grace, Omolafe is with us, we are not going to hold the suspense any further. We really, really look forward. We welcome you, first of all, and look forward to what it is that the Return to Spirit Oracle has for us this evening. Alafia, yeah. Alafia, yes, um, I love it. Okay, the card today is called Knowledge. Knowledge is a gift that is meant to be shared with others. Most often this card comes to those who are teachers or those who facilitate the transference of information to others in some way. The Knowledge card is here to reaffirm the understanding that you play an important role in bringing through information, teachings and higher learning to others. You help others to advance through what they have to share. This is a gift. If you've been doubting yourself or your ability, then it is time to let that go. Trust yourself on what it is that you have to offer. As a tool of spirit, you are here to help raise the consciousness and awareness of others on the planet. Oftentimes, it is those who are born to teach and exchange knowledge who doubt they have anything worthwhile to share. This is the very reason that Knowledge Card 
has come to you today. It is time to step out of your own way to let go of your doubts or fears about claiming you. You are born to take up space here. You are born to share what you have. Spirit is acknowledging this for you to help encourage you onward. Look carefully at the fractal image on the card and you will see an energy line coming straight down from the top, down into the crown chakra of the being. It then continues to flow through and out of the being. This represents you. Spirit is attempting to show you that what you have to teach comes directly from above, from the universe. It is intended to be delivered, to be shared with the world. To doubt your knowledge is to doubt spirit. Trust what you have. Know you can do this. Spirit is backing you on this and encouraging you to embrace the teacher you were born to be. And that is the card of knowledge. Wow. (laughs) Always so amazingly accurate, isn't it? Wow. Yes. Yes, totally, because this is the time, and, you know, we all, I lift my hand and say, you know, we were thrown, we were seriously thrown. By Tuesday evening, we were thrown, and and, and it's not easy to throw us, (laughs) and we were thrown, and it took us a minute to evolve right back to that place that's being talked about in that card, which is that you remember the spark of life that got us here, and I'd all, whenever I get in doubt like that, I take myself back, give thanks that we were able to have eyes on as each of our grandchildren came into the world to see that first breath and to know that the divine I am, we are the flute and divinity is the song. And, you know, if we can really, really, really internalize that and embody that moving forward through these times, what knowledge that would, you know, really. Thank you so much. Always. You're so I'm welcome. So appreciative. You're welcome. Yes, I'm so appreciative of that. And 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 uh the mere fact that as we introduce uh those persons coming uh to join the conversations tonight on Sister Queen's Rise and Shine, we want to say again uh the part of that that speaks to the teachers, the way showers, the sacred activists, the community activists, um, the innocents, really, because there are a lot of us that have gifts, and we're all moving in this movement of Four Tribes for Peace, which comes to an event on the on the uh, fall equinox in September, September 22nd through 25th. And now being 11 Sundays out, we said, well, wow, we better go ahead and invite some of these folks on so that that we can begin to raise the energy for this transformation that we're going to go through. You know, um, uh, uh, Your Grace, the, uh, Tracy, uh, my web tech, put a wonderful piece out there. And, it, again, that was one of the healing things that came round about on Wednesday was, um, and I wish I could remember it, but if people look, it did go through the Kindred and Facebook and, and Four Tribes, and it just spoke about um, the focus of July, what's coming, what what the energies are right now as we wax to this full moon toward the end of this month and how we were really going through it, like, like, like this is the rumbling bad, <laughs> and it is erupting a whole bunch of stuff. And I found it interesting, too, and three people said to me, Notice it came right after America celebrated its independence. Notice that it came, like, within almost 24 to 36 hours of that. 
to, to, to say, what are you celebrating? What, what, you know, and, and I think you and I, it wasn't you and I, it was another friend, we're talking about, you know, the ability for myself, who's, who's never been um, a tremendous lover of the American flags, or, you know, I just, it does weird things to me spiritually to even think about the bodies that were wrapped in those flags as strange fruit, as Billie Holiday would say. And so uh, to see all the people now with the bathing suits and the hats and all the trimmings and the red, white, and blue and stripes, you know, was a little strange. And I wanted, I saw whoever I was speaking to, I, I said, I want to really go up to these, and they were African-American, go up to them and ask them, why did you choose that bathing suit? Just tell me. I mean, is it a patriotic thing or, you know, what is it? And I didn't. And I didn't. Um, because I felt like, you know, people make their own fashion choices and maybe it was patriotic and who am I to say whether they should or should not or, you know, it's a longer conversation. But um, moving forward, we just watch. And I'm so thankful for all of my grandmothers in heaven that told me, watch and pray. And so as we had to watch a number of things um, this last week, then we say, well, a week from today we'll be in the Republican convention, and most of us, hopefully, the light workers and those coming on the show tonight, will talk not only about tolerance and intolerance and our disciplines as far as restraint and just things we should generally think about, um, the least of which would be to pray for both of those cities, the city that is hosting the Republicans and the city that is hosting the Democrats. And um, hopefully we'll each hand in hand make our way toward peace. Well, first up, I'm not sure, I believe it's an 828 number that should be coming in, uh, Brother Ken which is our guest, Bill Paravano. I did tell him around 7.15, so he may be coming in at any point. And, uh, again, we'll give Bill a, a little introduction. We sure will. You have a 502 number, baby. Well, wonderful. And, it could, and it, it could be right, you know. It could be right that his cell phone is a 502 number. Many of these people, being my kindred and my friends, they are, but I don't always look at their number. So if you would open that mic, I believe we're getting ready to welcome Mr. Parvano in and give him a proper introduction into this conversation. Bill, are you there? Not quite yet. Well, Bill Parvano, as I said before, is... um, also known in many circles as the knee guru. And so you might wonder, unless you've been to his website or you've been to our website, we do feature him in uh, our Kindred Alliance uh, many times as it rotates. Uh, He works with knee pain in particular. And and that's the best way to say, well, what is the knee guru? Is it like a chiropractor or a therapist or or what? and so many of uh, Bill's clients, and I'm sure he'll talk a little bit more about that, uh, come come to Bill, hopefully. It, it really makes Bill happy when they come a ways before they're thinking about the knee surgery. But, you know, some come on their way there. They just see the ability of the walking, the pain, the constant pain. How do I get rid of the pain? I guess I'm going to have to have this knee replacement surgery. And so Bill uh, goes through a variety of movements and configurations. And I can only say as a woman who was paralyzed, who had people like that in rehab, that they did the pressure 
pressure points and they did various manipulations with your muscles that affected certain um, power points, I call them, in the body that also, you know, it's kind of like reflexology on the feet. If you apply certain pressures to certain toes or the backs of toes or the bottoms of your feet, you're going to hit different things like your sinuses or your how your body is moving, how your nervous system is moving. And um, I think that much of what Bill does um, goes in that arena as well. But I think Bill's coming to the program this evening to talk about Systema and uh, a movement of relaxation and certainly stress reduction uh, that he works with with uh, various gentlemen up in the Asheville area. We're excited to have that because we don't want this uh, Four Tribes for Peace fall festival to just be a constant talk, 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 you know, uh, and, you know, we want people to really come in and be able to experience something they thought and then they move through an experience and then something has grown or changed or opened or expanded in the way that we see many of the tools that we're choosing for our health, for a sustainable future moving forward and to help us keep the peace basically, um, our inner peace and our peace um, in our families and in our communities as well. So I'm hoping that the 502 number is open and that Bill Paravano is on the line at this point. Hello, Bill. Maybe you have to press one, Bill, if you're listening, because sometimes then it won't, it won't open up where we can actually hear you. Um, the conversations around uh, the participation of Bill, as we said later in the evening, Dr. Daniel Four, Eliza Rose. These are all just champion, champion people in their own rights that are participating in the Four Tribes for Peace Festival. And uh, we're, we're excited to have them, and we're excited for the way in which um, that energy is growing uh, we see on the Facebook line, I don't know, uh, almost 400, I guess, 300 and some people um, that are interested in in coming. And, uh, again, as we see these things developing in America, what a treat it will be in mid-September to just be able to go up on beautiful mountains with sunsets, uh, 200 acres of it, kind of removed from all of this matrix vibration and, you know, take a different look just sit and be among um, people of unity, people of smiles and, and, and good cheer. That um, is an amazing, an amazing thing. I look more, I look forward to it more and more and more each day uh, as, as we move forward. We, um, are thankful to say that and call to the attention of those, again, on these archives that uh, right in the midst of this, we feel like our newsletter, the Kindred uh, Courier Post, which will be coming out, and you can access that on our website and or usually through the Kindred of Sangoma uh, Facebook community, is uh, definitely going to be worth a look-see here in July. And again, um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot 
on so many levels, like these storms and and the heat waves and you know the politics and now what's 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 cropping up as to whether or not how do we break through these conversations and override the anger and the emotions and you know the buttons that we all normally hit with one another, but we find in large part are just non productive to taking us forward. Um, basically it leaves us with grieving hearts as we are this week. So those that uh, tune in to this particular show, we say please keep watching, get updates. Again, for those that call in this evening, we'll see. Uh, I hope that that some do. Uh, We have posted out there, as we did last week, uh, three opportunities to win uh, free admission and all access passes uh, to the event itself, again, September 22nd through 25th, and that would be the 8th caller, the 13th caller, and the 21st caller. So that's really wishful thinking here, pulling down to 730, uh, that we'll see if that many people call in or if we have any winners this evening. Um, again, as I put out on Facebook before we came on, could be that we're really talked out because, uh, my goodness, I'm not even a Twitter, Twitter or, or an Instagram person, but wow, you know, just the the energy of it all that's passed through social media and on the Internet all week long. I'm sure that as uh, we try to catch our second wind, so to speak, on this Sunday evening going toward the, the incoming week, um, we can listen, but we don't have a lot of uh, – a lot of room for voice, and uh, I, I will say that, you know, I have a couple of things on my Facebook there, a young lady that's speaking to us with more tools about really how to quiet the self and just and have those inner conversations where we can figure these parts out. We also just did uh, one of the Hindu mantras that uh, uh, Tina, and it was so good because we know that she had recently passed through a health challenge, so it was so good to have her leading that, of course, and beautiful visuals as well. And these are the things that we're going to have to do. These are the things that we're going to have to do to uh, to uh, restore, restore the sacred wells within us, restore and keep kindled well the fires of truth and the fires of um, right relations with one another that we we have to put on high at this point, in my opinion. And we have to really, we had a video that went out as a promotion that says, shine it all around. And true indeed, this this is the time. And, and as we oh, go forward... Okay then. Well, let's let's open and welcome the caller in. Good evening. And who are we speaking with? Hello. Okay. If you've called into the show, I found that pressing one is is sometimes a really key thing when we can't quite pull you in uh, there from our outfit in Atlanta. But um, we hope maybe that Bill Paravano didn't forget about us, and we know that uh, Daniel Four will not because we just spoke with him before coming on the show. And uh, if you're there, we'd love to hear 
you come in and be welcomed to Sister Queen's Rise and Shine. And if pressing one doesn't work for you, then maybe you want to hang out and listen. And that's fine as well. So no pressure. <laughs> the, the last thing that we need this week is pressure. So, again, we were trying to update uh, and, and remind folks that usually around the 16th of each month, uh, our newsletter comes out for the kindred of Sangoma, and we're going to say without a doubt the newsletter for July and August um, are worth looking at for a minute if you really are trying to give consideration to you know, taking that break, getting connected with the grassroots people, getting connected with peacemakers, getting connected with people who are healing from trauma as we all are, but have a little bit of, uh, you know, a different perspective. Hey there, can you hear me? Oh, well, good. We can hear you now. Good evening. I wanted to let you know that Bill is the 502 number. He is trying to call in. Uh, it's Daniel here. I can, I can yeah. wait a little longer. Yes. I wonder what's wrong with that, that he can't get in. He was messaging me. Yeah, there he is, I think. Bill? Hello? Yes. I'll, I'll sign off here. I'll call All back right. Thanks, Bye. Daniel. Thanks for doing that. Hey, Bill Paravano. Well, we were introducing you. Uh, the knee guru and welcoming you a few minutes ago. We're sorry you had the trouble getting in technically. It's always something, but be welcome. And uh, did you have a chance? Were you hearing us, but you just couldn't, we couldn't hear you? Yes, I've been on since a couple minutes before seven. Okay, great. So then that that's, that's, uh, that's, and sometimes it does that. Sometimes I find that's why I call right in at 7, because even if you call in, then when, I guess, Blog Talk activates us <laughs> right at 7, it does something weird with the phone system. But anyway, we're really, really, really glad you got in. And um, uh, I would normally right here say, how was your week? Um I guess I will say it, um, and, I, and I'll ask you to just, you know, further, you heard the introduction then because you were on the call of what we have said about uh, your work with knee pain, your work with Sistema, and uh, being, being very blessed to have you as one of the presenters for uh, uh, an experience, is what I'm going to say, a workshop experience during the Four Tribes for Peace gathering. But given the circumstances of this week, Bill, what what went through your mind in in, in terms? I mean, a thousand things went through all of our minds, but I know the first thing that came up for me was, "Wow, you know, is this four tribes for peace gathering going to be enough? Is it obviously it's coming at a time when it's needed? How are people going to be able to take it? Did you have thoughts like that, or was that just me? Uh, it might have been you. Uh, I was <laughs> definitely in this place of uh, letting go over the past mm. week to two weeks of just mm-hmm. uh, recognizing where I'm uh, in conflict in my life and recognizing where I'm not in conflict and really focusing more on where I'm not in conflict. And that's a tricky place to pay attention to because right. there's no noise. It's right. quiet. Right. And that doesn't seem normal, especially when there's so much um, 
white noise, you know, like right. you're on a radio or on a television. And it's like, if you don't hear that noise, well then where are you? There, right. There's no way to calibrate that. Right. That's really interesting. Cause I always expressed that and she's expressed it for maybe, uh, since April 22nd, her birthday is oh, April 23rd. It's her birthday. And she felt this, that, that same energy, pulling in, pulling in. And I, as you know, is a very outgoing person. And so, you know, but I, the way you just described that, the last and I spoke with her earlier in the week, and it was very much like that. And now I'm, I'm basically, you know, kind of hermiting in my house, give thanks and not being on the road and no grandchildren and no husband, just me and all these rooms in here and, and my prayers. And I, I kind of figure, like, destiny must have set it up that way because given what is going on in our country right now, um, I don't really want to be out there. <laughs> I just don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it's not fear or anxiety or any of it. I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and nourished, like you just said, to be very centered in that very quiet conversation with self that's free of the other noise and so that's interesting I'm sure you're going to bring that into or at least I'm going to ask you to to bring it we did put a nice promotion out there thanks to Macon our East plan uh, planner there uh, as far as the the movement that you're going to be offering at uh, Four Tribes for Peace, which is uh, a work that does very much, I would think, to remove certain levels of noise, um, not only in the mental body, but I, eventually in the physical body. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I, I believe uh, when there is movement, anywhere you see movement, there's life. And when there's a lack of movement, it's uh, energy has stopped flowing in an area. Um, you know, it, it's not able to get blood or oxygen or nutrition to those areas that are no longer moving. And that's where whatever part of our body is not moving or whatever part of our life is not moving, it begins to degenerate. It begins mm. to waste away because it doesn't have movement in it. Um and unfortunately, our model for movement or our ideas for movement isn't in a way that provides sustainability and longevity of the body. It's like either we're, you know, what you see out there in society is no pain, no gain. Just do it. Push through the pain. Pain is weakness leaving the body. It's a very um, like all or nothing kind of mentality. And if we're not getting that great phenomenal workout or we're not um, uh, emulating what we see in in life or in, in television, what ends up happening is we it's kind of like all or nothing. Well, I'm just not going to do anything. Um, it leads to injury and things like that. So what my classes that I'll be offering at Four Tribes for Peace is bringing that intelligence, bringing that sustainability and longevity to the body in a way that relaxes the tension in the nervous system, relaxes the tension in our body and gives us a way to understand ourselves on a deeper level, to realize that getting movements in these little nooks and crannies in our back or in our hips are key to keeping um, life in our body, 
Mm-hmm. Wow. And so as you're speaking, and I said this earlier, probably to Eliza Rose about this conversation uh, with you, she, she was mentioning, as a matter of fact, and I will say that, that uh, she was nearby, her class was very nearby to this movement in this class that you did at the Firefly Gathering. And her comment was, wow, I could really feel the energy just <laughs> just standing nearby his class. And uh, so, but I was thinking, because I didn't get to take the class and I haven't actually experienced it yet, who knows if I'll have to wait the four tribes to do it, but I would like to because by the explanation you just gave, um, it reminded me of the days that I did Tai Chi or Qigong or or those types of things that really, as you say, get very in touch with the nooks and crannies. And certainly now that we're all, you know, well, let me sit down and check the, my emails or whatever. We're all checking the machines or we have jobs where we're sitting, 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 sitting. And so unless we are those people that have a concerted or, or, or a medical issue where we run or have a walking or, or an exercise practice, we fall into that group of people that you're talking about where, and I, and I Again, as you were talking, I thought about a million things like hardening of the arteries and what happens when our circulation slows down, our blood circulation, and and as you're speaking, the life force chi itself, if if it's going to places in the body by tension where it gets stuck or trapped, that if I understand you correctly, this movement that you are going to uh, facilitate people through pushes pushes through that and and reenergizes, regenerates uh, the places that are stuck. Correct? Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. And the the really interesting part is when we look at the body holistically. So you have an integration of the mind, the spirit, and the emotions. And uh, the mind, the spirit, and the emotions can be stuck as a result of the physical body being stuck. So the more we can begin to get the physical body, which is the densest part of our reality, the more we can get that moving, it facilitates the shifting of all of those other areas of our life. You know, I'm going to ask you an interesting question because I know you've been doing uh, this type of work and movement for a while and in in that work have um, experienced, obviously, a number of people who have come into this practice and, and, and are uh, experiencing the benefits of it. What, what, what do you see, literally, with the people you work with as being the biggest shift? Do you see that shift where that alignment of all of our bodies, you know, is just better the way people come in or they handle stress better or maybe, you know, kind of a high-pitched person kind of neutralizes and <laughs> moves with a little ease and grace after taking so many of these classes. What, what do you notice about the difference it makes in people's lives? Well, I think the, the biggest thing is possibilities. Mm. When people are stuck in their physical body from tension and stress and pain. They feel very trapped. It's like mm. their their life has painted them into a corner where there isn't a whole lot they can do and they're on this slippery slope uh, where their body's just breaking down, they're getting arthritis, and they're just getting older. They feel old in their bodies. Mm. So now we get start moving in an intelligent way, incorporating breath, 
incorporating relaxation, in understanding what are these subtle cues the body is giving us to understand how we can move as opposed to looking for how we can't. Right. And what that does is that opens up possibilities for mm-hmm. the person in a way that they never thought of. Why? Right. Because it gets them on track. Yeah. Yep. There's yeah, that physical that. piece that's directly connected with how we think, with how we right. feel, with how our spirit is. And now we start freeing that up and we can easily begin to integrate different perspectives spiritually, mentally, emotionally into our lives much mm-hmm. easier because now the physical body is able to integrate those changes. Mm-hmm. It's like the flow. I know when I did uh camp, that's what I think of as this is a great metaphor for this when, you know, it rained or there was a storm or something like that, or particularly as we were moving from winter back into spring up there at Silverwater where this huge waterfall was, of course, tree branches and leaves and, all types of things come down into the waterfall, and, and that's what you begin to see. You begin to see where the regular streams of water usually were rushing through. They were all held up. They were stuffed up, stopped up. And what a wonderful work that was just to just, you know, free that up, clean the leaves out, clean the branches out, and then you're right. The energy of something flowing, free-flowing, just free-flowing is so much better than the energy that's stuck. I mean, if you think about it like that, um, wow, what a difference. I'm certainly looking forward to it now. I don't know how we're going to make it make it happen, but I, I want to get, you know, to at least experience uh, that. And, uh, you know, I think the big thing is is that it's not like the first time I've done it, but we need groups, and I know that um, – Yours has been increasing and increasing up there in the Asheville and and Barnardsville area at different seasons. I'm sure it comes and goes, but for all of us to realize that this is a really important piece um, in in the coming days. I mean, it would be a really important piece anyway, just generally speaking, as you said, holistically for our health. But when there is now so much tension and 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 just intensity um, all around us, and and constantly, you know, the stimuli, everything that comes in. By the time you do look through your your Facebook and all of these parts, or maybe a headline has hit your vibration or whatever, and it just builds that tension. So to have a regular practice that this particular one that you're speaking of, once you give people the tools in these classes, is there a, um, a daily uh, uh, practice or discipline of it, like yoga or something like that? What is the suggestion for the use of it so that you can really feel the best benefits? Well, definitely incorporating it in into your life on a regular basis is going to be beneficial. Um, what I teach is not like uh, techniques. They're principles, Mm-hmm. Techniques are all based on principles. Principles are the fundamental truths that that the techniques are built on. So if you understand um, the principles, like uh, if you breathe more, the body relaxes. That's mm-hmm. a principle. So becoming aware of where you're holding your breath and consciously beginning to breathe into those areas of movement that you are holding your breath is a principle that can permeate through every aspect of your life. 
Yes. Um, yeah. The the principle that uh, when something becomes dehydrated, it gets stiff and it's difficult to move. So I talk about the principle of increasing water intake to properly hydrate the body so when you do move, you're not fighting uh, dehydrated tissue. You're not yeah. fighting dehydrated muscles and joints and all of that. The The functions of the body can regulate themselves easily because now it has enough water to be able to do so. Absolutely, absolutely. And I know that we've tried to... Um, to to maybe not minimize the number of the gatherings you and I go to. We have these big blocks of time, and I have said to some of the facilitators, and I'm sure you and I talk about it and Daniel when he comes on, as to whether or not um, what's, what's the most time of this, like the sessions that you do is this, optimum for a 90-minute session, or do you think, you know, maybe the whole introduction and, again, an overview of the principles, obviously, um, is like a morning or an afternoon? How should uh, people, is there a preparation that people could begin to do now, even in, you know, without having taken your class going forward? I'm thinking about it because you're not the first person that, that said that to me. Well, you got to really breathe more and drink mm-hmm. more water. There's two basics right there, you know, that, that we can begin to do and, and become conscious of um, as we move through this giant shift. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the big takeaways for anyone who's listening to this is to pay attention when you're getting up from a chair mm-hmm. or sitting down into a chair. Pay attention to your breath because there will be moments in your movement from getting up or sitting down where the breath will hold. There won't be a smooth flow of air in through the nose and out through the mouth. And what happens is it doesn't seem like that big of a deal in and of itself. If we take a snapshot of you holding your breath, getting in and out of a chair, just the initial look at it, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. However, every time you hold your breath like that, it creates what is known as a sympathetic response. Or it increase it increases the tension in your body. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you know that whole <clears throat> idea that water dripping on a rock over a period of time will wear the rock away. Yes, it will. The same concept that these little glimpses of us holding our breath builds up stress and tension in the nervous system that gains over time and makes us feel older beyond our years when it doesn't need to be that way. So paying attention to your breath and consciously focusing on relaxing your breath in those little areas where we hold it is going to have, you know, a tremendous payoff in the long run of the sustainability and longevity of the body. Mm-hmm. 
you know, of course, that's keying in for me personally to a, a vast degree because as soon as you went to that, I was like, wow, there are many days that I don't just, like, flop down in a chair. There's a whole expel of air because for whatever reason, be it that I, I walked or I needed to sit or whatever, that's just the way I go in. And and very much I, I can pinpoint that, yeah, I probably do hold my breath um, getting up from chairs because I'm weighing out a thousand things. Do I have the balance? Do I have the strength? Where is my energy? <laughs> so my mm-hmm. body and I are having a serious conversation whenever I'm getting up out of a chair. And probably, you know, just because of what I've been through, that that's more conscious, I think, than um, you saying it to people who don't, who, who take that for granted. Like you say, they go by it and never even think about it, really, until mm-hmm. you focus in, yeah, until you focus in on uh, what are those little idiosyncrasies. And another one for me, as you were speaking, is um, to, to bend over or to have to pick something up or be carrying something or going upstairs. Each of those, I'm sure, are places where I cut, <laughs> cut my breath or, you know, tension increases a little bit of you got this <laughs> or you're going to fall, you know. And so uh, that's that's fascinating, fascinating stuff. Well, as we come up to the top of the hour, I'm certainly going to ask you to just speak a little bit also about the work that you do with knee pain and, of course, uh, give uh, those folks who may listen, uh, be listening now or and or to the archives that we send out and that are available to people later in the week to come back to this conversation as far as your website and you know, uh, some of the things that you do and will be doing, again, as for Tribes for Peace coming up in September, the 22nd through the 25th, how to get in mm-hmm. touch with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I work with clients on eliminating knee pain. I'm online. I'm known as the knee pain guru. And the principles that I teach for getting people out of knee pain are the same principles that I teach in those movement classes. Principles are principles. A, a universal a truth is something that can be simplified no further. So if it's going to apply for movement, it's also going to apply for getting people out of pain. Mm-hmm. And it boils down to three, three simple steps, essentially, to getting people out of pain. Um, the first is when the body experiences pain, it's stuck in what I refer to as a pain tension loop. Body experiences pain. It tenses up to protect itself. That tension reduces the space in the joint. The reduction of space in the joint irritates the nerves. That nerve irritation causes more pain. And then the body's back in that loop again. It just keeps going around and around, and it gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And over time, that is commonly known in society as old age. That's just what happens when you get older. What needs to happen is what I refer to as a pain pattern interrupt. That's where we create comfort. We get the pressure off of the nerves in the knee. When you get the pressure off of the nerves, it's comfortable. That comfort relaxes the joint and creates space. That space that's created is more comfortable. So you begin to reverse the process that the body is going through holding on to stress and tension over its lifetime due to pain. So that's the first step. That's the physical aspect we look at. Next is diet. And what I'm referring to specifically is inflammation. 
So when the body experiences pain, there's local inflammation where it experiences pain. There's also global inflammation in the body as a result of the foods that we eat, the water that we drink, the air that we breathe, um, stress, just the nature of being human. Stress causes inflammation globally in the body. Mm -hmm. The sum total of all of that inflammation uses up the body's available healing resources Mm -hmm. to heal what's going on, both locally in the knee and globally in the body. So by addressing inflammation locally in the knee and globally in the body, we free up the resources that the body has to heal itself. So it speeds up the healing process. So that's the second step. The first is the physical, getting the pressure off of the nerves, creating those pain pattern interrupts. The second is inflammation, reducing the inflammation uh, through diet. And then the, the third is mindset. In the mindset piece, the reality of getting out of pain is it's not linear. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. And on the bad days, the bad days, it's important that we continue to go back to the fundamentals of creating those pain pattern interrupts and reducing the inflammation to shorten the duration of the bad day. And on the good days... Because by creating a pain pattern interrupt, we can get the body out of pain very quickly. But just because it's out of pain doesn't mean the healing has fully taken place. So lots right. of times clients will get out of pain really quickly and then they'll go back and try to run a 5K like immediately thereafter, which puts them right. back into pain. Right, because so they didn't feel any pain. <laughs> right, right. Essentially, yeah, they didn't feel pain. Wow. So by by keeping those three areas in check, the physical, the diet, and the mindset, making sure the body has what it needs to heal, creating the pain pattern interrupts, and keeping the mind in a good place, what happens is the body heals itself really quickly. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I was thinking about it, and I was going to get to that point. Maybe we'll talk about it a little more, or we'll include it in a blog about oxidative stress and inflammation in the body, because, you know, wouldn't that be great to just really, I, I don't know what, what the studies are, are out there on it to refer people to, but it just makes sense, you know what I mean? Because I, for one, am a person that, you know, and I don't really take pills as much as I'm sure the average American, but if if, if that, that inflammation comes where I'm just like immobilized a little bit for whatever reason, I'm going to take some ibuprofen because it tells me it gets rid of the inflammation. And I think um, your point well taken, if people can begin to turn to some of the things that reduce that in what we eat, what we choose to put in our bodies, and again, on every level, what we choose to uh, allow in our minds for that mindset, what we choose to literally and physically taken to our biology all has something to do with it. Well, I'm excited. I learned more, and I've known you for a while, but I certainly learned a lot um, just having this uh, small conversation. Again, give us your website, and um, I don't know, I guess whatever um, thoughts you would leave uh, people with in terms of this particular, the, the importance, number one, of this particular work, uh, as we said, at, at this particular time. 
time where, like it or not, people are moving from what's stuck in their bodies. And as we shift over into the second part of the show with Daniel, we're going we're gonna to hit that same area, as you said. We're going to hit that same area again because, you know, many of us are really searching our hearts as to uh, how to uh, dissipate these stuck energies of anger and hatred and the pain body, the pain body, (laughs) be it emotionally or physically, mentally, spiritually. How do we respect each other's pain bodies? And what, you know, you've given us some good tips here tonight in Mm -hmm. order to begin to heal our own pain body um, and maybe uh, hopefully, the yeah, recognize. Oh, okay. Okay, and that's wonderful. That's Daniel coming in. And so, Bill, before we switch lanes just slightly, we thank you again for your time this evening with us. And um, sure. you give it, because if I say it, I might say it wrong. Your, your yeah, website okay. address. Uh, yeah. There, there's uh, two websites I can point people towards. One is for the knee pain, and they can go to the the knee k n e e pain guru g u r u dot com. That's the mm-hmm. knee pain guru dot com, and they can also go if they're in the Asheville area. I do teach classes twice a week in Barnardsville, and they can check that out at Movement. Asheville.com. That's all one word. Movement, M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T, Asheville, A-S-H-E-V-I-L-L-E.com. Ah, well, we are, again, we are not booting you off of here. You know, Daniel, you know, we all know each other. And so you're totally welcome to, to stick around into the, that, this part of the conversation. Um, as, as, as I said, um, we have with us this evening Dr. Daniel Four, um, who I find, um, as I said at the top of the show, how blessed, how much gratitude I have for the amazing, amazing, unique people that I actually am blessed to know and blessed to call my kindred. And, and Daniel certainly is, is one of those um, young uh, men who, who I'm going to let him say what actually he studied in Berkeley. But when I came to his, uh, his first workshop, it was in the area of ancestral medicine and ancestral healing of traumas. And, of course, as a traditional <clears throat> ancestral priestess, you know, we looked at, at our, our Welsh friend here and said, wow, fascinating. I want to know what he knows or how did he, you know, how did he put, are they teaching that out at Berkeley now? And so what a joy. Uh, Daniel and I first met one another in a beautiful setting uh, over in the middle of North Carolina in a peace chamber, which uh, I'd love to have Mama Sue B on, as a matter of fact, moving toward this Four Tribes for Peace gathering to speak a little bit about um, that peace chamber and uh, what led her and her husband to build it and others like it that exist. But that's where Daniel and I met, and um, this young man has an amazing gift uh, for the world at this time, and uh, I don't say that lightly, uh, simply because in in my travels to to 
to, unless it's people who are very familiar with the Yoruba culture and very familiar with ancestral veneration, you know, lots of conversations that we have toward people who are dealing with all types of literal ghosts, quote-unquote ghosts in their closet or skeletons in their closets or things that just have not been spiritually cleaned up in their family lineages, and yet um, that that difference, uh, uh, what, what the, the, the America is struggling through right now, that difference in what we are all taught by our rearing, our child rearing, our experiences, what we're exposed to, um, has built certain shutters around our ability to take the information in. So Dr. Daniel Four is with us this evening because he brings that extraordinary gift that sort of takes what most mainstream people would say is the woo-woo conversation and brings it into some just real, here's it, here it is, on the ground, here's where the fat meat is. And uh, particularly now that we, uh, in, in our collaborations, as we say, see that this is uh, among one of those healing tools that we can go forward with in, 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 in dissipating this whole um, Unease, dis-ease around uh, our cultures, our race, how we do relationship. You know, I'm really trying to give up that, that word race because it's just so not the issue here. And anyway, Daniel, you're there. We welcome you into the show. Thank you. Can we, oh, there you are. There you are. We welcome you. <clears throat> and... Uh, as I said in the introduction, um, do tell me, because, you know, I never actually really know. I know my eyes have gone by it. What did you um, get your doctorate uh, there in Berkeley in? What actually are you a doctor of? That's a really good place to start. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Ria. Thank you to everyone holding the show. Thank you, Bill. Uh, thank you to the ancestors. Mm-hmm. I uh, I have a Ph.D. in psychology. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and my work in the world is influenced by psychology, but it's mostly from a earth-honoring, animist, ritual orientation. And in that, my influences are eclectic and diverse, and most of what I teach publicly is intended to be very inclusive to people, because a lot of people in modern American culture don't have one set tradition. Uh, but still want to engage. And uh, one important influence in my own background is I am, I am an initiate in Ifan, Orisha tradition, Yoruba culture, and uh, West African orientation to practice. So my wife and I travel to Nigeria and work with elders there in the lineage of Alubofalu, Adesanya, Woyade, and Ogunche. So respect to them and, and to the lineage and uh, and I'm an Omoha wolf in the tradition, and mm-hmm. so I'm very much a learner priest. But my focus over the last uh, 10 years, 12 years, even before coming to Ifa practice, uh, has been on ancestral healing. And in that, that is been mostly not only, but largely people of European ancestry and helping them and, and anyone else who would wish to participate to reclaim a framework for ancestor reverence, ancestor ritual, which is very universal, ultimately, in nature. They all are going to die, yeah, and uh, all have ancestors. And to come into relationship also with our older ancestors, the ones before remembered names, before uh, even known history, and 
to know that the ancestors are a living force or collection of forces in the present. And they have tremendous support to offer. And when we don't engage them consciously, then plan B is to relate with them unconsciously. And that's not inherently bad because some people have very well ancestors already who back them and help them to have a successful life. But the disadvantage of not relating consciously is that we can play out a lot of their unfinished uh, stories, a lot of their pain and trauma. Um, I'd like to say just a, a few things, yeah, about ancestor reverence in general. And I don't want to say these things are, are universal, but they are quite cross-cultural, at least. And because uh, it's important to have a common um, language from which to engage about ancestor reverence before we could consider how it comes into play with social justice and cultural healing that we so badly need. Um, so a, a few things are that people who practice ancestor reverence, whether it's my own older German, English, Irish, European ancestors, uh, traditional African folks or people of those lineages, Asian, Native North American, however, is that something continues after death. We're not only the body and that the ancestors are, they're what continues and that uh, not all of the dead are equally well. That dying doesn't make you wise and kind and loving automatically, uh, but uh, those who live well and are ethical good people tend to transition quite well to become ancestors, and people who uh, are conflicted during life, who aren't cared for in their rites of passage when they die, people who die violently or suddenly, sometimes uh, may get stuck and functionally become what we would call those or the dead who are not yet well. Uh, fortunately, the dead, like us, they change. It's quite possible and relevant to uh, ritually intervene to assist the dead who are not yet well to become fully seated ancestors. So that's a lot of the trainings that I got is helping people to do that with their own family ancestors. And uh, another cross-cultural assumption is that we can communicate with the ancestors and vice versa. That can happen spontaneously. It can happen on purpose. And uh, and also, they influence us a great deal and vice versa. And so the, they're worthy of consideration. And and so just, just to recap, something continues after we die. Not all the dead are equally well, but they change. They can become more well. We can have contact and communication with them, and we affect each other a lot. So that's what I, I've tried to distill it in a succinct way, but that, that, those are some of the assumptions that I hold as pretty cross-cultural. Um, uh-huh. And I'll say another word about influence. Uh, as, a, as a psychotherapist, what I observe is that a lot of the trouble in families is ancestral in nature. It's intergenerational. It's inherited trouble. It didn't just start with bad parenting. It's bad grandparenting and great-grandparenting. And a lot of the family-level trouble is really uh, cultural trouble from the history and legacy of colonialism, of racism, sexism, homophobia, etc. And so a lot of what, uh, a lot of the cycles of violence and trauma and just 
garbage and pain that continue to be played out culturally here in the United States, for example. It's my view that that's um, oh, it's, we're we're the face of our ancestors, and so we have all of this unresolved pain and trouble that we're working with. And and ancestor reverence and ritual gives us a, like tools and framework to work with it more consciously, to call on the ancestors who are well in our lineages, in our spiritual lineages, and to enlist their support because they want to see good outcomes, uh, to enlist their support for family healing, personal healing, cultural healing, and um, yeah. So let me let me yeah. say that much open with. Yeah. yeah, I'm really glad you said that last piece because it just really for me leads in really into the fat meat of the of what I hope and this it really is a short time. We have a, a little bit less than an hour, but to to cover that um just from the perspective of where we are in America right now. And as you say, you kind of have to lay all of that out, uh, you know, in, in the basement there so we can begin to build upon it in the, in these <clears throat> ongoing and, and coming revelations and conversations concerning how we build stronger, wiser, um, safer, healthier relationships with each other and certainly with the planet that uh, that we live on. Um, <clears throat> what I thought as you were speaking, I was like, mm, I, lo- I love all of the dissertation that you give because then I can go, is it a fair question to say um, that <clears throat> if we were to look at what's happening in America right this second, based on what you just said, that uh, a number of the European descendants that um, are in a turmoil, they're in grief, yes, but they're, they're in a bit of a turmoil in terms of what's happening and should I be afraid and, oh, my goodness, you know, and <clears throat> in terms of Black Lives Matter, I know I've heard a lot of commentary go by, like, that's the reason, that's the reason five police officers are there because of groups like Black Lives Matter. And then you have, on the other hand, also descendants of Europeans and, of course, people of color who say, no, this is, this is an outpouring of a conversation that, that was on mute for a minute or I, we don't know what, you know, was happening with it, but now it's not on mute any, anymore. Someone has definitely hit the unmute button on this conversation. And as I look at it, I think, yeah, what you just said about uh, going back and going back. And so the Europeans then go back through that period of slave masters and, again, as you said, un, un, unfinished business, so to speak, in, yeah. in the ways that they live their lives. And then <clears throat> the souls of Africans and black people, for God's sake, you know, what, what, I mean, you can go through all the lashes of the whip, you can go through the ships that they died on and were and then tossed overboard and you just keep going. And so I say that to put it out there plain, what, what you're speaking of in terms of how uh, uh, the conversation that you're having and the work that you do and certainly our blessing to have you at Four Tribes for Peace is an opportunity for each of us to come into this and anchor ourselves 
in the ability to move through um, some painful traumas. Yes, the healing is a lot in the way and at the end of it, but right now it's just evident for anybody who's got their eyes open in America that it's painful. It's quite painful. Yeah. And, well, uh, yeah. The, speaking as a white guy from Ohio who's coming in, <laughs> in a way, late, late to the game, you know, I, I spent the uh, last decade guiding a few thousand people through ancestral lineage repair work before I finally started speaking in the last year more directly to social justice kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. And what I will, I'll say in a generalizing way that I think a lot of white people or white Americans, let's say, uh, need uh, and what has been helpful to me is to, emotionally and ritually contact the point at which our tribal sensibilities and that strata of our own ancestry was um, fractured, shattered, and bludgeoned mm -hmm. out of us from Roman, Christian, imperialism on the continent of Europe. And then yeah. to see how that, you know, illness uh, has brewed on the continent of Europe and then exploded, frankly, onto the rest of the world in the last 500 years or so in a really uh, problematic way. And it's not to demonize all people of European ancestry, of course, but the, yeah. um, the, there's an ungrieved grief about what has been lost. And it's possible to contact those older ancestors and to um, partner with them and to feel on a heart level hey what has been lost, and, and from that place to start to ask, wow, like what's my responsibility now to shifting this? And, and even that, it's tricky because Very. white being, being white, like a white person and whiteness, it's kind of a, a fiction. It's a socially created fiction uh, to justify European colonialism and genocide and slavery, and, and yet it's critically important for white people to, to kind of own that and own it all the way and be like, yeah, I'm white. I, I enjoy, if enjoy is the right word, benefit from uh, white privilege in all kinds of ways. And then how to start to deconstruct that in a, in a way that's useful uh, while still owning all the stuff that needs owned about it. And so um, even just saying I'm, a European-American of German and English and Irish ancestry, and I know the stories and I know the, the suffering and also the abuses of power of my people generally, is more grounded and gives an anchor from which to just engage. Because everybody, everybody on earth, along every single bloodline, even if your family is really a disaster or you're never going to meet your parents or whatever the painful story is, we have ancestors in our bloodlines who are awake and well and can be called mm -hmm. upon. Mm -hmm. and, and they can be called upon to assist the, the more recent dead who are not yet well in a way that results in us being more healed up, more resourced, and more backed by our ancestors to do the kind of taxing social justice work that so many people are on the front lines doing. And... Um, I, I think a lot of, uh, in my ideal, in a way, it would be that there's a, a, a 
let's say, national uh, reconciliation, truth and reconciliation process that includes the ancestors. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because we, we're painfully often playing out their stories with one another in a way that's just uh, deadly. So, right. Yeah. Well, we are concerned, you know, and, and or at least uh, in our tradition of the uh, Yoruba culture, this would be the truth. We are our ancestors' return, and again, um, it just underlines, underlines, <laughs> and underscores what you're saying about what what gets played out, you know, what gets played out, and, um, you know, I guess, uh, as you know, what makes it important, I was thinking about just really sending, of course, this link out to people who are listening now as to how to internalize their place in this shift and and, and the tools uh, and, as Bill said, the principles for dealing with pain in all of our bodies, our physical body, our spiritual body, our mental body, our emotional bodies, has to happen. And, and the conversation or dialogue around, like, this is your work, you know what I mean? It's like car has a flat tire, fix the flat tire. That 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 you know we have to get serious about it. There's a concern though. I'm going to say hanging out there, and of course, whenever you speak to the ones that aren't well, um, Sandra Blind comes up to me, and I know you and I have covered in some of our workshops. That, that piece that says, you know, every shutter I ain't sleep, you know, there's the second people leave out based on the way they li- live their lives, they, you know, call it whatever, the halls of my heart or, you know, the year and the day, they have to pass through certain processes of graduation into a healthy position in um, the ancestral realms. What do you make um, of, of, of those that, I mean, you know, I look at the memorial for the cops in Dallas and I say, okay, well, we're, we're hopefully mourning them really well so that there's not more of this continuum that you're speaking about where unsettled, da-da, you know, they left the earth. You could, some of us could take this perspective unsettled, and, and then others of us culturally would say, no, that was their destiny. And we could look at it and say their lives were cut short, but, you know, nobody really knows but God. So what do you make of, um, and I know you do do this work as well when we do the honoring of the spirits of a place or upheaval or the kinds of things that are going on in our country now, what do you make of those who say, well, um, I'm kind of better praying for the whole than I am going up the ghost in my closet. I really want to know how can I, well, how can I, yeah, good luck with that. Um, how can I be a part? And actually the question I'm asking you is very, that that would be the answer is that actually you really can't to a certain extent affect um, these ancestral traumas that are getting played out in other people's backyards unless you've cleaned up your own. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, you sure. and I both, yeah. yeah, you and I both know that. So it, it, it's kind of an unfair question, but I guess I was asking you for those who are not culturally based or the layman, again, finding that common language 
Um, because, you know, constant, my prayers are still constant right now for the families that are traumatized. They have to go through all of these funerals and stuff. So I'm asking what is the, um, what is, what is the work right from here? Because we've been talking about going, you know, further back to get the help, but right as, because people are calling me, you know, so what, you know, like, uh, Tracy, bless her heart, whose, whose brother committed suicide about 10 days ago. And that's what comes up. Like, I see the way this trauma is going to hit my family. I'm traumatized. What do we do ritually or some of yeah, the work that you yeah, do sure. to, yeah, to, to, to well, turn the module down on that? It's a funny thing to have a psychology training and a ritual training because uh, on the one hand, we psychologically need to grieve and to right. feel the loss and the pain. And, and the grief, often it can actually assist the dead who have not yet transitioned to make their transition to the well ancestors and to become ancestors themselves. Well, having said that, if the dead are not really acknowledged, they're not engaged with, and maybe they were in a state of confusion themselves, if they haven't left, it's a funny thing to grieve someone who hasn't really left. And, and, and so um, ideally... There are people in any family or community or even movement who, when someone dies, whether it's through violence or old age or illness, whatever it is, someone who's part of that collective dies, the others in that collective make sure that that person has joined the ancestors. It's a kind of uh, communal sexualization, I suppose, but one that everyone can participate in. And so I observe that in in a way, this is kind of dramatic to say it this way, is like until we've done our own ancestor work to take inventory, be on the road to being at peace with our family as much as possible at least, and feeling good about who we are and feeling rooted in a sense of ancestral support, until we've taken inventory like that and and, um, washed a lot of the unhelpful cultural conditioning and stand in a sense of healthy pride about who we are, it's hard to even have a conversation with another person uh, because we're so unconsciously playing out these ancestral like patterns or karmas or, or even half speaking for the ghosts. And so I, I see a lot of people in that condition. And um, it's, uh, what to say... I think in a funny way, I mean, I I see it's especially important for white people to do their ancestor work uh, because uh, despite the tremendous um, privilege uh, that is uh, afforded to people of lighter complexion and European ancestry and our unwell culture, in a lot of ways, White people are the worst off spiritually, or have the longest the longest historical disconnect from tribally rooted culture of anybody on earth, and that's healable, it's mendable, um, but it requires some grieving and snotting and humility and listening and study of how it got so messed up. Right, and, and it's so, a lot of humility. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, just, it's a uh, lot of humility. Intellectual you know? learning. It's, a, it's grieving, and and uh, it's a work of years, really, 
to unravel the, the damage from colonialism and racism and all of it. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm still working it. It's a, it's un, you know, always a work in progress. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think about the, um, because as, you know, part of this conversation, see, you say never say never. And so here comes, you know, I guess some of the wisdom that I knew eventually would come out of that period from my birthday this year till about June where we just had like 27 funerals straight. And, and part of that is I do think, I do look, or it's been my observation through that part before we got to now this part on the national picture um, to really look at the way in which people grieve or not. And 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 as you were speaking, I was thinking, wow, yeah, when, when it got really tough for me with different, you know, parts of being able to, for one, acknowledge that grief and then try to, you know, to move through it, move into it and move through it. Um, I had, you know, so many elevated light, 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 light ancestors that I could call upon to help me to not only receive the energy of the soul leaving the earth and just really put grace around their ascension, so forth and so on, which speaks to a lot of practices that, as you said, for one reason or another, have been robbed out of the whole culture of death in America. And, you know, I was thinking today, of course, as we went through the Sunday news shows and all the parts and the parts and the parts, how my thoughts, can, when I was raising my children and saw where we were going with the uh, animation of uh, killing and bloodshed and, uh, and unimaginable weapons that people were sitting out in tents like two and three days before because they had to get it the second it hit the shelves in Toys R Us. And I thought, you know, how can we go toward this level of violence and not see what's going to come down the pipe with this, okay? Because it chips yeah. away. Yeah, it chips away and chips away at the sacred place that we were raised up with for life. And and I say that very carefully because, again, we're speaking generations and generations and generations of stuff where we have lost our value for the sacred of life. And, and, and you know, that just got, like, totally, I don't know, like ambushed, really, by uh, the toys, the games, the movies, and that list is endless in terms of how this level of violence and aggression and from the cartoons on up to, you know, the HBO. And so what? how do we reshape that? Because, you know what, in the midst of this, even as I'm saying it now, I'm wondering what is it that we do in, in the ancestral healing work and in, in, in diminishing the trauma that is even counter to that culture right there that, it goes beyond Second Amendment rights. You know, goes beyond. Yeah. The, the, yeah. To have a gun. I well, mean, it just um, says that we feed ourselves this level of violence every day, and then expect to not live right. in a violent society. What is that? Yeah, and there's a tension between bearing witness to it and not turning away from it, and then on the other hand, just re-traumatizing ourselves. And so, I, uh, I, I think it's important. As we're going through a bottleneck culturally, at least the next few generations are going to suck on Earth, and by any estimation, 
is going to get harder before it clears up. I think we will well, in the corner. But thank you but, for saying that. But uh, so there's a need, I think, for anyone who's asking the question, "What do I do?" It's like, well, first is really dig into a stance of self-responsibility. You're mm-hmm. you're responsible for how you show up moment to moment. And if that means you're in need, then you're responsible to say help and take in the support if it's available and to get good at grieving, to caring for our hearts, caring for our bodies, as Bill was saying, as best we can, and to try to participate in building or continuing what is healthy from human culture so that our kids, their kids, hopefully can um, inherit a little bit easier situation. And the ancestors, the ancestors have the long view. They're the collective mm-hmm. library and storehouse of human wisdom. And we, as human beings, we have access to that whole library, really. But the particular particular section of the library we're in is of our own ancestors of blood. And so it's important to start there. And it's it's a, it's a funny thing that the the white people that I come in contact with are not always, but often enough, there's an emotional motivation to run from their own white ancestors and be like, I really want to be Native American when I grow up. Right. Whatever. And I'm like, slow down. So (laughs) you, like, what's important for people who don't have recent uh, indigenous roots to understand is that along every single one of our bloodlines, there are older ancestors who during life practice ancestor reverence, prepared for their deaths, who are available now in spirit, that in ritual time, it's not uh, two, three thousand years is not so far away. And when we drop in with the older ancestors, there's a circuit of connection that's completed. There's an ability to breathe a little deeper and be like, okay, we're in it deep culturally, but I'm going to move slow and we're going to take it bit by bit and I'm going to take good care of myself while I participate in the the mending and healing up. And there's a lot of triage work. There's a lot of putting out fires right now. And it's chaotic and it's all needed because when when we turn the corner, it's going to be a question of how much damage was done. And if you can do just a little less damage, it's not that different from somebody's childhood. You might have a terrible childhood, but there's a few people who show you a little bit of love, and it's enough to minimize even greater damage. So, Indeed, indeed. Yeah. So, you know, one of the real pieces I'm going to interject in here because I just do feel like it has to be acknowledged. I, I spoke to it earlier uh, on some part of the promotions for this on Facebook, and it, it always comes up for me. It, it comes up for me. I think I spoke it to you earlier when the uh, uh, tragic, tragedy in Charleston Church happened that, you know, my what jumped up in my spirit the second that news hit my ear was the dinner table of families 
countries that are completely mixed in races now. It is just not as easy to say, okay, here's white, here's black. The children sitting at the table are all of that and, and more. And, uh, it, and, and this is not just because I came up in a world where, you know, we had Sidney Poitier and guess who's coming to dinner and, you know, interracial marriages was a big thing. But what I have found, and that's what I'm speaking to with you, in my work are the people for number one in the African-American community that because of any number of pieces that come from the auction block and how those families got away from plantations and a thousand other things, the actual lineage that you're speaking of, the actual ability to go back to even down that, that rabbit hole is blank. It's just there's nothing there. We don't know. I don't even know my father's name. I don't know. And and, and so there's that. And then there are the, the ones who say, well, where would I start? Because, you know, uh, my black father married my white mother and all of his family turned, well, all of her family, they just didn't speak at all. And so we as kids don't really have, you know, that open door to any information about our history. What do we say? In, in that realm and in that work and have you met it along the way in all of your teachings as to um, that being any more difficult for people who actually like you and we'll get to your book in a minute that have been able to do the genealogy or the people again that can afford to just go online and pay $100 and see what their, what their uh, DNA is what do we say for those that would love to have a council of ancestors and spiritual energy yeah. around them that they felt connected to, but they don't know how to get there. They don't even know what train to take. For sure, yeah. Uh, for one, genealogy work, DNA testing, and yeah, it's about a hundred bucks. Or uh, there's a lot of free online research kinds of things. When those are possible, it's great. It's good to mm-hmm. do that. It's good to interview older family and do the research if you can. And yes, you can. If you can, and it's not inherently a barrier to connecting with your ancestors because the ancestors are a collective energy. They're bigger. Let's say I know seven generations back on all my lineages, mm-hmm. which I don't, but I do on some. And and uh, the ancestors I'm relating with, ritually, almost all of them lived before the last two or three hundred years. Right. So when we're talking about ancestors, we're talking really about lineages and collectives of energy, not just individual souls and spirits. And so anyone without any genealogy knowledge can call upon their ancestors in this moment. I mean, and okay. it might take a little, a little doing. So, so okay, recently, there's, there's no inherent barrier, yeah. Yeah, because I hear a powerful statement like that, and I have to play devil's advocate and go, yeah, that's so true. But then you and I have both had, you know, rituals, incantations, invocations, and I say placed in our bodies to sort of uplink that DNA, that, that cellular memory, to engage that, whereas the traumatized people here who are orphaned, and, and I'm not saying, you know what I mean, not orphaned yeah. in a way that they had no one, but 
spiritually orphaned. That's what I'm trying to say. Spiritually yeah, orphaned. Yeah. How? How? Yeah. I want to ask you again. How? How? Is it a meditation process? Is it how? How? What is the train that you take to sit down and say, I'm going to get into this ancestral thing. I'm going to yeah, focus no, my there's, mind there's and so my many soul things. on what I, I, in a real general step, if someone's very new to ancestor reverence, would mm-hmm. be to drop in intuitively and, and ask, what is a simple offering I could make to my ancestors? Something tangible. Could be a candle, could be a bowl of water, could be food or drink, pouring out a drink. And, and drop in and get whatever that is. And from a heartfelt place, say, I, I wish to be in more conscious relationship with my loving and wise ancestors. So specify that you want to call in the ones who are well in spirit and be tenacious with it. Make the offering. Notice your dreams. If you can, reach out to people who have a practice of ancestor reverence because like anything, we wouldn't expect ourselves to know how to, we wouldn't expect to like teach ourselves the piano. We would want to ask someone who knows. So there is a little bit of like learning skill that's, very doable, and right. um, so be hopeful that if you're, and sometimes, look, no one from the living has knocked on the door for 500, 1,000 years. Exactly. And yep. so if it takes a week instead of a day to get an echo back, we'll be patient with it a little bit. But anyone who's sincere can cultivate that connection and kindle it like you would a little flame into a bigger fire and uh, the other to circle back yeah, the one thing you were saying about uh, increasing numbers I would assume being uh, multiracial mm-hmm. yeah yeah. It, it for one it really beneficially complexifies the whole black white dialogue or the whole very like um, when, when the dialogue becomes very uh, like oversimplified uh, mm-hmm. then uh, that it's super important to include uh, in our awareness how we're thinking and talking with and sometimes as people who are uh, multiracial and people who come from very different lineages or where there's a history of oppression from one direction to the other, uh, the work, the ancestor work is potent because it invites um, a, a reckoning and a healing on a heart level between those different lineages, uh, there is a uh, there is a group of Westerners that were invited to ask one of the Tibetan oracles a question. Uh, one of the elder women mediums, and they asked her, "How can we be a force for healing in the world?" And she responded with a very specific answer of, "When you marry two religions in your heart, you'd be a force for healing." And I see the bloodlines in that way too. When we really harmonize our different lineages in our own heart is mm. potent. It sets up a, a kind mm-hmm. of wholeness and uh, 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 inseparability uh, in our own hearts that can, I don't want to be too woo-woo about it, but it radiates out. We embody a kind of wholeness. And mm-hmm. uh, this one way I've seen that play out is people... Um, Look, it's like I said, it's a funny thing. The, the white people I meet uh, in a weird way would be happy to have African or Native ancestry in their DNA test. There's this uh, just anxious jumping out of one seat to to be less white or something, which is, is 
problematic response. But uh, as I, I did the DNA test, and they're like, "Dude, you are 100% a white guy," and uh, which I I wasn't surprised by that. But the um, I've seen a number of people of color, whether it's indigenous or African, Native American or uh, African ancestry, uh, do really deep and um, raw, uh, precious inner and ancestral work to bring their European lineages, often but not always, who uh, come through violence and rape and power over dynamics, to actually claim also those ancestors in a way that for those individuals feels um, healing. And it's not about, uh, of course, it's not about minimizing or um, uh, glossing over or even necessarily forgiving the traumas, but to see that that's just one point on a, on a much uh, larger lineage in history. And so we, it, it, I, I think it's not beneficial to fight our own blood and bones. And so whoever we we are, whoever, however we got here, is part of the story and it needs reckoned with. And, you know, it's not my place to tell anyone how to do that, but I, I do have a, a view that the older ancestors can facilitate that type of process and that it's good to embrace all of what we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you 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 struck two really amazing points. The piece you made about um, really merging and aligning all of the energies of who we are and and what makes up our Akashic records, our cellular memory, our DNA, um, is huge. Because moments before you got to that part, I was like, okay, so let me go back to the drop-in um, directive for people who are not that familiar and don't have any practice. And, and to be quite honest with you, when I say that, because I, I, you know, having attended um, classes and, and, and co-created them with you, that we know people what can they trust, I guess, for, for for people whose intuitive bodies are about on three for whatever reasons. Maybe it's too much matrix involved, too many machines. They just don't get a lot of time to be quiet inside of the halls of their soul where you go to drop in. That's one. And and, and two was that I think you answered it, though, that, that well, what? how do I get there? Well, I say to people a lot of times more and more and more and more in the last year, um, remember who you are. It's, it, it's, it's such a simple three words. Well, boy, oh boy, oh boy. If you, if any of us repeat that to ourselves at any point, just quiet. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Uh, you, you begin to drop in. Uh, you begin to drop into that body a little bit. That is so. That, like you said, is the library. It's a vast library of who you are. But again, until you knock on that door into that secret dwelling place, the old people used to tell me of your soul to get quiet there and hear the parts. Really examine them. And that. I mean, that's. Huge. I know you said it. I just reset it. 
it again, but for some people, again, as you say, at the very beginning steps of, of how the ancestors can assist us, really recognizing the agreements between the living, the dead, and those waiting to be born is just so built on how are we going to charge up our intuitive bodies because at the end of the day, all these conversations we want to have about social justice is about tolerance versus intolerance versus, you know, building up our sensitivity, our own sensitivities internally to be able to feel the energies more truthfully, more truthfully for ourselves and for others, you know. Would you agree? For sure. And one uh, thing I want to underscore, and then perhaps there are people calling in, I'm not sure, but one is um, I'd invite anyone listening, when you think, if you think of the topic of ancestors or ancestor reverence and you're new to it, consider at least the last 2,000 years of ancestors, uh, at least, because it's, it's been at least 2,000 years since things got kind of wobbly in Europe. Uh, for people of African ancestry, maybe it's been the last 600 years, uh, and and uh, and to so let your conception of who your ancestors are extend well beyond remembered names, mm-hmm. and then and then you might imagine almost like an empty seat, like in any given lineage. Let's say you imagine your father's 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 lineage, and you don't even you've never met your grandfather. It's your dad's mess, whatever it is. But the, you know, there's a you know you didn't just come from outer space recently, and and there's a lineage of men on back through time. At some point, there's somebody who was really kind and awake and cultivated as a human being along that lineage, and okay. you can you can imagine almost like an empty seat. Be like, well, I don't know you, grandfather, ancestor, guide yet, but I I believe that you exist. I believe that there are awake and well people in my lineage even if it's more than 500 years ago. Uh, and it's okay to imagine. Imagination can be a gateway in that allows for the spirits to contact us through that flexible energy of imagination. And so, yeah, uh, like that. That can be that can yeah. helpful. Yeah, I do want to say as we're pulling up toward the top of the hour that for those and in my sense of it in my intuitive body is that we do have a few people listening um, that that for whatever reasons, maybe they're just absorbing what the conversation is, is putting out there rather than to take on the challenge of trying to jump into the conversation. But again, we thank those um, for listening to Sister Queen's Rise and Shine. Our guest that we've been talking with is Dr. Daniel 4, and uh, as you were just uh, finishing that up, I was thinking, yep, that's exactly what Daniel does, and if you go to the website, ancestralmedicine.org, or Daniel, you can certainly give out uh, contact information because over and above the places we we go in the woods, and we're going to talk about that next, some of the um, reasons and two fours of even looking toward this Four Tribes for Peace and, and some of the work that you and others are bringing to that 
that uh, as as a celebration really of our ability to to uh, heal ourselves through community ritual. Yeah. But on that personal level, again, because. Uh, for whatever reason, persons that hear this uh, radio program may want to do the one-on-one and to know that you do do that um, where they can call and get time with you for one-on-one guidance. Again, if they go to the website, I believe you have a newsletter and a calendar. Speak to us about all those parts, Daniel, because you know what Yeah, they sure. Are. Yeah, the website is Ancestral Medicine, T-R-A-L, Ancestral Medicine, all one word, dot org. And my name is Daniel Four F O O R, and so you find the information that way. I send out a monthly newsletter, and I'm doing trainings. And I live in Asheville, so I do trainings throughout North Carolina and Athens, Georgia, California, in the Bay Area, in Portland, Boulder, Colorado. I think Buffalo, New York, coming up, and uh, mm. some other places. And have a book coming out next year called Ancestral Medicine: Rituals for Personal and Family Healing. Uh, but yeah, one of the things I want to highlight is uh, a few online courses. One that's completed but still available is uh, Anti-Racist Animism for White Folk mm-hmm. and Others mm-hmm. with Less Recently Indigenous Ancestors. And the intent there is I, I meet a lot of people, uh, not only but often of mostly European ancestry, who are like, I really want to do indigenous, earthy stuff. How do I do it without being a culturally appropriating, off-putting, loser, white? And that's a really good question. And it's, it really very, it's very possible to honor a calling to earth, honoring traditions without becoming that person. And so gotcha. uh, so I talk about that. And then uh, in August, I'm starting an online course, Ancestral Healing and Social Justice, uh, which is similar to some of what we're talking through here, but helping people who, have a commitment to social justice uh, to bring in the ancestral piece or who have been doing ancestral work and they're not sure how to link it to their desire to be helpful. There's a lot of people who are like, what's happening is not okay. I want to help. I'm not sure how. And so there's a, a thousand and one really solid, potent, great ways already out there. And I would add a thousand and two is get to know your own ancestors, call in their support, feed that relationship and ask them to guide you on what your role is. Because we all have our own unique destiny. There's not just one way to participate in the cultural healing. Exactly. And and if we're going to be effective and not just in it for ego gratification, then we need to try to have our service be in alignment with what our destiny is and why we came here. Or it's not going to be as effective. And it's not going to be sustainable. We'll get burnt out and just, it just won't work as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that last piece you put out there, I thought, yes, of course, you know, and uh, of course you and I give thanks every day for the, for the uh, awareness or the reconnection to knowing one's personal destiny and, and for the, you know, hundreds of people we both meet that don't have a clue. And and are so desperately 
seeking. What is their purpose here? What is their lane? How do I get to my lane? I, I, I understand now, and I think, and, and, you know, I've had a couple of people, which was very interesting, uh, of, of uh, European descent, good friends, this week in the conversations that have gone by. They say, wow, you know, I must say one thing. I think this is a real waking up for some white people here. This this completely burst the bubble for some white people here. <laughs> that, that who knows what they thought a minute ago, but they got something really up on their radar right now, and and that is so true. And and whether it was you know sheer neglect or you you built a life around what you know everything your family your parents told you was supposed to be or you know all of that is that crumbles away now. And again, we come back to that statement: remember who you are, not who your resume says you are, not who the people. Say you are none of that. Remember in your soul, and and it's what what you and I, of course, love about our culture is 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 that ability to recognize that there was a conversation between this soul and the divine before we entered our mother's womb, and and part of this reconciliation and this healing you and I are talking about puts out where 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 the old people would say your footsteps are ordered by the Lord. It puts your footsteps back on that conversation of what one soul said to uh, the, the most either our creator about coming into the earth at this time to live here and move through this uh, this amazing transition that we that we're uh, shifting into from here it's just um been real rich speaking with you, and I am. My first thought was right is that, yeah, for those uh, that weren't able to get it, we will during the week uh, uh, try to see to it, hopefully with Brother Ken, that we can uh, be able to send this link for this show out uh, to a number of people and, and, and to preface it by saying, you know, the reason we don't do that a lot, we have the shows basically on on the website, or you can get the link to Queen Mother for Real to get to the show. But but this show, it, to me, is important to put out um, in a big way in our world right now in the midst of people trying to just get both feet on the ground and get their minds wrapped around you know, what, what the bottom of the summer and, and into the fall looks like. And I, I'll echo what you said. It, it, it would appear, <laughs> it would appear that the stage has been set for us to move through a little bit more rougher waters than, than even we have seen so far before we get to the calm, before we get to the place where it all evens out. I'm hoping, and that's what I'm, I'm leading up to, I'm hoping and I'm wondering if you have a sense of that's why the ancestors have put Four Tribes for Peace where it is because it it seems like that catch-our-breath kind of moment, um, of course, when the air breaks cooler and we're not in all these crazy high temperatures in the summer and we, be, we begin going toward fall and, of course, uh, toward the election and toward a lot of things that come with that. What 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 do you hold right now going? Because I love to hear it <laughs> as a person that's really trying to hold the container for four tribes for peace. What do you and all you said to us this evening? What do you hold coming to four tribes for peace that um, you would want listeners to be aware of the opportunity to experience? 
some of the work that you and I do around what we've been talking about um, in a beautiful setting up in up in the mountains in Lafayette, Georgia. What what part of 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 it are you excited about for various cultures and various peoples to come together? I think ritual is not as effective as it could be unless the humans are healed with one another. And I think that an intent for the gathering is to do something that the grandmothers in spirit, that the earth there, that the native ancestors who are part of that land uh, and mostly living native representatives uh, would feel good about. They would, and that they would quietly just nod and not speak up about uh, in that. uh, And so that's, that's my goal. A lot of times with rituals to do something, the uh, invisible elder grandmothers would sign off on. And, And so I think a lot of people have a longing to share in sacred space with people of different backgrounds. Uh, I I know that's true for a lot of the European ancestor people I meet. And um, and I suspect it's true for a lot of people of color that it would be welcome to be in a space where uh, white people show up well. And... uh, don't hog all the space and are heart connected and et cetera. And so I think that is the potential of the gathering and hopefully it's a call that people can respond to and bring their, bring their bodies to the good earth and see how we can be in spirit guided space for a few days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well said, well said. That's rich. See, that, that's really the top part for me to even have to myself come back and listen to the archives because you said it well. Um, there are many things that we will find in the beauty of our common ground and our family of humanity um, in this particular kindred. As I said to you and a number of people personally, you know, it really came from a, a deep heart space uh, in my father's father's lineage, which my spirit and soul has traveled over many times, I'm told, the clan of Oladoyes, who we will be celebrating there with traditional uh, uh, ancestral parade, masquerade, we call it a gungun, and, um, you know, in the heart of hearts, says Victor's daughter, it was really just about the smile that comes to my father's face and looking at all of the amazing people coming to this gathering, the kindred who just, as you said, they show up well. They show up well, and and they show up embracing the differences and the diversity rather than looking for the cracks and the splits and the divides. And that in itself is a, is a beautiful thing to experience, I think, after we have hurled ourselves through whatever are the remaining parts of this summer, um, we, it, it'll come like, you know, like a cool drink of water when you're really thirsty. Is <laughs> okay. what my Yes, yeah, it, it, it just feels that way in my soul, even though, of course, where I'm sitting in the north of it, I can't see all the details and I'm hoping for the best and a lot of things like that. But my soul tells me that what it is that we will experience together in our hearts space will be like that, will be like a cool drink of water at the edge of our thirst. And so we pray that it would be so. 
And um, we thank you again for your time this evening and are very much looking forward to um, the amazing level of energy and transformation and healing that you bring to the Ancestor Alley kind of portion of Four Tribes for Peace uh, Fall Festival. And you're right. Um, I, I I would say on what you just said, you know, I thought of, I said, well, that's probably why there are 300-plus people who have hit the interested part because something inside of us says that we do know that we can go forward in a better way and um, that we can help each other to do that even um, just by showing up and showing up well. So very, very well said. And, again, we've been talking with Dr. Daniel Four. Um, you can certainly find him on his own website, ancestralmedicine.org, um, certainly on the Kindred of Sangoma. Uh, .org, uh, Daniel is frequently uh, featured there in our kindred alliance of, you know, who is the kindred? Who are these people that meet in the woods? And, um, you know, I'm just so thankful for the work that you do, Daniel. You know, I know when Maladoma first began bringing the teachers and teachings into community ritual, and, of course, there's Starhawk, and there's other activists that have just gotten ground level with people and say if we do this together, if we if we focus in, clear out the noise, so to speak, as Bill was saying, clear out the noise and go in this sacred space between the worlds together, something really good and healing and powerful is going to happen. So thank you and your ancestors for the powerful work that you put into the world. Uh, we have enjoyed this edition of Sister Queen's Rise and Shine and send that prayer right on that uh, for the mothers and the grandmothers, as you said, Daniel. May they be pleased with us um, that, that we continue to try, we continue to open our hearts wider and wider and wider and let our light shine. You know, that's why we're here and others are not. Others have gone to continue the work on the other side. So, uh, Brother Ken, if you have any closing remarks, you know, I always try and leave this little bit at the top of the hour for anything that you want to bring to our attention from uh, Queen Mother For Real blog talk radio. Nah, nah, I don't have anything to report today. Okay, then. And how's it been for you, sir, there in Atlanta? I know that they had a few marches. I didn't hear anything too crazy, so hopefully they were all peaceful. It was peaceful in Atlanta. The the marches on Friday was very peaceful. It lasted a long while. It was a lot of officers. I watched the entire march because they they showed on cut on 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 TV, and uh, mm-hmm. it was peaceful. But the the police had it, you know, blocked on could go certain places. But the only thing I can say about marching and rallies is that okay, you bring the uh, uh, exposure to the issue, whatever the issue that you you're rallying around or protesting protesting about. But how about tomorrow? How about next week, next month, next year? You know, a lot of times in America, you know, we're so hyped right in the moment that there's no plan. There's no no aftermath, like Dr. Dre said. There's no aftermath. And Dr. Dre said, 
There's no aftermath. Right. There's no tomorrow. Like I was telling uh, 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 Daryl the other day, I said by Tuesday, Wednesday, everything will be tired. Susan me to get tired of showing it. Everybody else will go back to their jobs, their homes, their mm-hmm. lives. And it will be a few of us that will still continue with the struggle. But, uh, it's, it, I, I mean, I'm tired of you rallying, but you got to start planning. And a, a key word, key term I want, we've got to start implementing the plan. We're good meeting goers, we're good planners, but we're not good in, implementers. We've got to make a plan, we've got to implement it. So basically, I've just been following the coverage and everything. And, and personally, I just have to say, I don't know why everybody's so excited. This, it's been going on, you know, my father's <laughs> They just didn't have it on the phone video cameras. That's what changed. That's what changed, brother. They did not have it on the machines this quick and this graphic. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't say that I agree with you. I wish in a certain way that uh, we would we would be able to just slip back to the norm, shut it down, okay, out of sight, out of mind. I don't think so. I don't. I my inner gut tells me that is not where we're going over the next two weeks. I have already begun to pray for the police forces over there. Where is it, Indiana or wherever the Republicans are going to meet in Philadelphia for? The police yeah. is going to get more. I'm going to tell you this. More military. Yeah. It's going to get more. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Well, so I got to say. Just yep. It's it's going to say. Just well, thank you and have a great week. Love, peace, joy.